Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Okay, so as Pastor Jesse said, we are finishing um, our series, Ephesians 6. If you're with me, yeah, amen. Did you say amen? Come on. I, I like when you guys interact, so feel free, you know. I'm country. I like a little interaction. <laughs> um, turn with me, Ephesians 6. I am going to be reading out of the NIV today. I often read from different uh, translations. Today, it's the NIV. So if you're wondering, I try to let y'all know that. Sometimes I forget, but I'm going to break this down into two different sections, okay? Because the first section, I believe, is a little bit differently than the the second section, but they're both highly important. So I'm going to break down 1 through 9 and then 10 through 23. So start with me, um, Ephesians 6, 1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the very first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life here on earth. Y'all are like, wait a minute, get the kids ministry in here. This word obey right here in the, the second word here is actually a stronger expression written by Paul than last week when Pastor Jesse was preaching on Ephesians 5, the word submit, where I was like, ooh, submit's a strong word. This word here, obey, is actually a stronger expression, meaning Paul was emphasizing something really important here, that you would obey your parents in the Lord. Now, I want to specify something that I think is super important. In the Lord means that there is an understanding that they are in the Lord, Okay, now I'm not giving y'all permission to not obey, but what I am saying is in the Lord means there's an understanding that both parents and children are in the Lord, right? Because who knows, we can't expect people to treat us as Christ would treat us if they don't know Christ, We can't put this expectation on people, well, why are they treating me that way, or why do they think that, or why are they acting like that, if they don't know Jesus. This is where we just get to stand in a place of love and honor, but but in the Lord, right here, specific to expressing this element of why we obey, of why we obey. And in Exodus 20, what I love about Ephesians 6 here is he's actually quoting Exodus 20, which is the commandment to obey your parents, to honor and love, because there's a promise attached to it. This is actually the only commandment where there is a a promise attached to it. The Ezels, are are either of the Ezels here? Man, they, I just kept thinking about them as I was studying this word. Ken and Barb Azell, they're amazing people in our community. They lead um, Orange County House of Prayer, and they often sit up here with the OC Hop crew. But they are taking care of, of uh, Ken's mom right now. She lives with them, and they are taking, they are honoring, they are obeying in a way, and they are stepping into a place to take care of, of his mom because she's unable to take care of herself. And as I was reading this, I kept thinking, wow, there's such a cool promise attached to this that you would live long in the land that the Lord has given you. 
That's pretty cool that as we honor and obey, there's a promise that we would live a long life in the land that God has given you. So they get to partake in that. So Azels, I know you're going to watch online. You're champions. You're going you're gonna to outlive us all. Verse 4 <clears throat> says, Fathers, do not anger your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is basically, just to break it down super simple, to not punish or severely punish your children, for it will turn them away from you. That's what that means. Colossians 3 says, Fathers, fathers do not embitter your children, for they will become discouraged. You know, if your boss or your spouse or someone's constantly yelling at you or getting you down or telling you how you can't do that, you're probably not going to grow close to them. You're not going to be encouraged by them. And so Paul's just explaining, hey, fathers, don't, don't severely punish them. Grow them up in the way of the Lord, but don't severely punish them for we want them to be connected to you. You know that as parents, we have a responsibility. It is a massive responsibility to grow our children up in the ways of the Lord. To grow our children up in the ways of the Lord. To train them up, to prepare them for what it looks like when our doubts become really loud or when we step out into the real world. We are to train them up in the ways of the Lord more so than training them up for their SAT more so than training them up to be the best soccer player, more so than training them up in whatever else, the word says that we are to train them up first in the ways of the Lord. Now, I think studying is amazing. I think sports is super fun. I hope that my kids are smart and play sports. That sounds fun. But the priority, what Paul is saying here, is that we train them up in the way of the Lord so that they can combat anything. Because that has eternal life. Who knows we can't take our trophies to heaven. We can't take our scores and our grades to heaven. Those are important. But they're not the most important. We're to train them up in the ways of the Lord. Because who knows godly parenting equals godly families. And I believe godly families equal strong nations. A lot of the issues that we see happening in our culture, I think the root of the problem is actually family. It's actually training up our families in the way of the Lord, training up our kids, training up the next generation. And maybe you don't have physical children, but you have spiritual children. This is also a call for you. You're not left out. It's a call for you to disciple and raise up those around you who may not have godly families. Train them up in the way of the Lord. Verse five, it says, slaves, Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey, obey them not only to win their favor when Christ's eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, Treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he is both their master and yours in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. There's an analogy for our culture today in this because I'm hoping y'all don't have slaves. There's an analogy here for both the employee and employer and it's simply this. When we're asked to do good work, when we have a job, we have an authoritative figure over us and when we're asked to step in and do good work, then we perform it as 
if performing in front of the Lord. It also means we do it to the best of our ability. And it also means we don't partake in evil. And I'm going to break this down as simply as I can. Because on one hand, Paul is saying, obey your earthly masters. Just replace masters with boss, um, uh, someone above you in your workplace specifically. I want to stay with the work because he's specifically talking about slaves and masters in the workplace. But he's telling us to obey our earthly masters as we obey Christ. That we don't lightly disobey or not follow through. That we work as if serving and working for the Lord himself. However, that when or if we are ever put in a position where it is directly against the will of God, we are not to partake in that. I I remember many years ago, I sat down with a girl who was working for a a tax firm. She was just a young girl. And um, she started to, her boss started to ask her to do things that were a little gray and so she started just listening, obeying, following her boss's orders. And I sat down with her and she's like, gosh, I just don't feel good about this. I said, well, if you don't feel good about it, it's probably not good. And she said, but this is my job and I want to do it well and I want to, I want to be a CPA. And so I'm trying to gain experience. And I'm like, it sounds like fear is keeping you there and you're being asked to do things that aren't actually the will of God. And so she was like, well, how do I know if it's the will of God? Like, I know lying's not right, but how do I know if it's, if it's too far into the gray area? And I just said, ask the Lord and read the word. Anytime you have a question about like, is this right or wrong? Ask the Lord and read the word. If you can't hear him, you read him. Okay. I'm going to move on to the next section. This next section I've actually preached on before, so I'm going to use a lot of the same analogies because they're fun. But this is all about the armor of God, and this part fires me up. So verse 10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Say power. Power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not, say not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. It doesn't say when. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, touch your head, come on, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, touch your Bible, touch your phone, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the majesty of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. 
Tychius, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love, haha, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. I know that was a lot. Take a breather. Who knows that Christ has given us access to protection? Come on. If you didn't know, you know now. Christ has given you access into protection. Say access. Come on. Say it again. Say access. Say it a third time. Say access. See, when you wake up in the morning, I hope that you have access to some clothes. But you make a decision when you wake up in the morning, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to walk to my closet or my drawers or the pile on the floor. Y'all feel me? And I'm going to put some clothes on. I'm going to access what is available and I'm going to put it on. You have access. Paul in Romans says says it like this. He says, it's Romans 13, 14. He says, put on the Lord Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus. When you give your life to Christ, you actually put on his righteousness. You put on the fullness of who he is. You literally put it on like clothing. And right here, the end here of of Ephesians, Paul is talking about what is available. He's writing this letter to let us know what is available, that we have access to power and authority, that we have access to protection, that the armor of God is powerful and we have access to it and i love that next verse it says for we do not battle flesh and blood for we do not battle flesh it says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against not only does he say listen it's not a you're not against your struggle your issues your whatever actually isn't against flesh and blood he goes on to tell you who it's against against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle is not with flesh and blood. Now, this is mind-blowing because how often, don't raise your hand, but how often do we have a disagreement? Do we have um, a conversation or a confrontation or something with someone, our spouse, our family, our mom or dad, our kids, and we think, oh, they fill in the blank. (laughs) <laughs> Pastor Jesse. <laughs> Love it when your leader's honest, right? But if you were to look at it as, whoa, I actually don't battle flesh and blood. I don't, I don't battle you. You're not who I battle because Paul tells me who I, who I battle. And it's not against humans. It's with the spiritual forces of evil. Now, I'm not saying People don't make silly decisions. I'm not saying that that their decisions don't impact others or impact you. But what I am saying is if we looked at these situations as situations of evil, of division, then I think we'd have less issues. Y'all with me? God created us for community. He created us for connection. And so I personally believe that when there's not connection, when there's not this, this feel that's as close to covenant as we can get and it starts to feel like division, it's probably not God. Because God's not about division. 
right? He, he, he came so that we would be together. He came to, to close the gap of, of division. And so any type of, just for a second, just shut your eyes because I, I feel this strong. Any type of issue right now happening in your life with another person, I want you to think, I want you to picture them in your mind. It's not about them. Nobody's out to get you. They're not out to get you. It's not about them. Your personal struggle is not a struggle against sin. Somebody done said, what'd she say? Because the last I read in the word says that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. So if he died on the cross and he said it's finished, it's completed, then why do we hear people talk about I struggle with sin? The reason we say that is because we don't have language or understanding about what Paul is saying here. Because raise your hand if you've been baptized. Raise your hand. Come on, raise it proud. When you were baptized, you died. Your sin, your struggle, your issue, your I just can't get away from this thing, it actually died. You were raised again as a little Christ. You don't battle you. You don't battle them. You don't battle your sin. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. Whoa, Lord, just forgive me again. God, I just, I can't get away from this thing, Father. I just keep falling in the same pit. I just wonder if God's like, that's so weird. They keep saying that. <laughs> last, now, last week at church, then I read about how I died for them on the cross. That's so, I wonder why they think that. Like, Sometimes I just wonder what God's thinking, and I'm sure it's very pure and not like I would think he would think, you know? He's probably like silly kids, like I do with mine. Our battle is against spiritual forces of evil, not against your brother and your sister, even though they may act like it's against them, even though they might act like some spiritual forces of evil. But the reason, I mean, let's be real. The reason we're not discouraged by this is because it follows with great news that we have protection available. And there's two sides of the spectrum. There's people that are like, there's no enemy, there's no hell, there's no, no evil forces. And then there's also people that are like, the devil done got me laid off. No, you didn't show up for work. You got you laid off. You know what I mean? <laughs> Pray for me. I just can't keep a job. Why don't you try keeping a job? So there's, there's two different sides of the spectrum. And I'd like to propose us to kind of meet in the middle and just read the word of God. Because y'all know the very thing that we give our attention to takes our attention. So if we focus on the enemy all the time, he's going to take our attention. He doesn't deserve it. But if, if we keep our attention away from something that's very real and in, in the word of God, then we actually don't give our attention to something we probably need to be a little bit aware of. You got to be aware of where your attention goes. But Christ in you is stronger than any of that. Like, think about this. Jesus Christ himself is in you. As a baptized believer, he is in you. That we would act like little Christ. That we would put on the robe of righteousness. That we would put on Jesus himself. I've used this example before. I want to use it again because I think it's a powerful image for my visual people. But I, I try to explain um, evil forces or, or spiritual evil forces with an analogy because sometimes it's hard to, to grasp. But I want you to imagine that you're walking down the street 
and um, someone is smoking a cigarette next to you, or, or they walk by and they, they blow cigarette on you, you didn't choose to have that cigarette smoke blown on you. But you were walking down the street and this other person was, have, has chosen to smoke cigarettes and they blew smoke on you. Now, did they control you or oppress you? I'd probably say no. Did they come after you and attack you with their cigarette smoke? I hope not. <laughs> That'd be weird. But did it affect you? Did you smell it? Did you maybe see it? Yeah. That's how I explain to people that the, the, the evil forces, if you will, or the spiritual area of that can affect you in a super minor way. Okay? But Paul tells us that we have protection and that we have authority and power. Who knows that when Jesus sent out his disciples, he said, I'm giving you all power and all authority. Not, I'm going to give you a little bit of power and a little bit of authority in this area until I can trust how you use it. Not, I'm going to give you a little bit of power and a little bit of authority until you finally figure life out, until you love well, until you fill in the blank. No, he, he said, I'm giving you all, all the power and all authority because that's all you need to combat, to battle the evil forces. See, the devil has no authority over you. That, that's not... That should not be a debate. I've heard that this is a debate, and I don't understand it because the Bible says all authority and all power has been given to us over the enemy. So he actually, he doesn't actually have any power unless we give it to him. It's never a question of authority or power, but of influence, right? Like we have authority and power, but even though we have authority and power, we can give over influence, Y'all with me? I know this is real deep. We can give over influence. Because remember, Adam and Eve were set in the garden without sin. I mean, they were naked running around in their full freedom. You know what I mean? Like they didn't know sin. And then the serpent came and he influenced. They had all the power and all authority. But they allowed access. I'll give you another example. And this is an example I used when I taught on um, spiritual forces a few months ago. Who saw Wonder Woman? Y'all see Wonder Woman? So there's this really powerful scene. It, this is how you know if you're a preacher. You watch a movie and you have all these sermon analogies. It's horrible sometimes. <laughs> but there was this really powerful scene in Wonder Woman where the scientist is kind of coming up with the the what, method to kill them all. What do you call it? Like a formula, formula. And you see this, <laughs> you see this um, person kind of come behind and whisper the right formula into the scientist. You remember that? That like, I think I started crying. That was really crazy. She in herself actually wasn't evil. I know she's a bad person in the movie, but she in herself, she's not she was influenced by the correct way to produce evil. And, and that's just another, for my visual people, that's just another way that I kind of see how the demonic realm works, okay? Again, we don't have to talk about a ton of that. I just want y'all to fully understand. I believe that as Christians, um, we're not ever supposed to walk around exposed to the enemy. We're not supposed to walk around feeling 
ill-equipped or unprotected. If you've ever heard the lie that you're not protected, be careful that this might happen. That's the fear of torment. That's a spirit. It's a spirit of torment. And that does not belong to you. So anytime you hear these lies, you just get to say, nope, God's given me the armor. It's in Ephesians 6. I want to walk through it really quick. The first piece is the belt of truth. What I love about Paul is he's in prison writing this letter, right? And he's like, these people need to know about this. This is super important. But he also, (laughs) because he's been in prison, he's been seeing all of these these men dressed in the full garment, the Roman soldiers. And so he's using analogy that people would understand given right where he is. So, so he says, you know, the, the belt of truth that we would have the belt of truth just around us, that it would be like in the, the middle of us, like solidified truth within us. And then the, the second one, he says, um, to, <laughs> to put on the robe, the robe of righteousness here. And I have a, I like props. So Kristen Wise done brought me her fluffy robe. So I want to put this on for y'all. I text her, I said, uh, can I, she always talks about hanging out in her robe. She's like, can I, can I lead a take five in my robe? No, Kristen. Just kidding. She doesn't say that. She doesn't say that. <laughs> so, so what they would have worn would be a lot, a lot longer than this. But they, I know, somebody get my picture and Instagram me, please. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that they would have taken the belt and they, th- these men before going into battle, and they would have wrapped the belt around to pick up the robe. So if it's super long, just imagine it's really long, and I'm having to pick it up and tie this around me so that I could run. Because y'all ever try to run in like a really long gown or ladies, if you've been, if, you, if you're married, you try, Jesse's like, no, you don't have a fluffy robe at home. That's like two feet too long. You know, try to run in your wedding dress, for instance, like probably wasn't super, you weren't super um, capable of doing that. And so Paul is just giving great analogy and picture of what he's seeing, of what he's used to, but also of what it looks like to actually be prepared to run the fastest, to get into the battle without any issues. The next one he talks about is the breastplate of righteousness. Right here, this is really cool because it, it covers the heart. It shields, it shields the heart. <laughs> no, nah, I won't even go there. It represents a belief in who Jesus says he is in our life. The third one is uh, the, the shoes of peace. It says to be fitted with readiness. See, Roman soldiers had specific types of shoes to go into battle because there were, there, the enemy would, um, their opposing enemy would oftentimes, it's hot, that's a hot one, girl, would oftentimes put really sharp figures in the ground when these men would run into battle. And so if they stepped on it, it would go right through their foot. So, so Paul's talking about you have the shoes of peace that you're fitted with readiness that you're prepared to go in and nothing can harm you. You will, you will not step on any spikes. You will have solid footing. And I think it's prophetic for having a solid ground. I think it's prophetic that you can stand on what even looks the sharpest, that you can stand in a place where you might even be questioning what's happening and, and you will have shoes of readiness. The fourth one is the shield of faith. 
And this one is the most defensive armor that, that he talks about. Many versions of this scripture says, above all, above all have the, the shield of faith because it protects us. The shield of faith is not just for personal protection, but for the protection of those around us, which is really cool. If you're a protector by nature, if you're an Enneagram 8, this means a lot to you. Some of y'all are like, what's Enneagram? The fifth one is the helmet of salvation. And this is really cool because this is protection over our minds. This is protection over our thought life. When, when doubts start to rise, when lies start to, to come in, that we actually have the helmet of salvation. In fact, I'd encourage you to practice that when things start to come into your thought life, you just go, no, no, no. I have the helmet of salvation that Christ has armored me with. I won't believe that. I can't have that in here. It's just a good practice for you. And then lastly is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's kind of crazy. The sword of the spirit is, is your Bible. It is the word of God. It is the only offensive weapon in the armor that Paul is here talking about. You know, the word says that it is written, meaning it is hidden in your heart. Like the word of God, the, the sword of the spirit can actually be hidden in the place of intimacy. As you get with Jesus, he hides his word in your heart so that you have the sword of his spirit. And, and again, it's an analogy that Paul's using, but that it's hidden inside of you so that nothing can penetrate that's outside of God's truth over your life. I think that there is a, is a call this morning to understand our position that Christ has put us in, to understand the armor and the protection that he's given us, that he's clothed you with. It's really important because if we realize we're already ready for battle just Monday morning, then we walk it out differently. We walk out the things that we hear. We walk out the things that we see. We understand that we have been protected by Christ himself. That's pretty radical. That unless we give access to things... The evil forces can't touch you. Now, do we live in a fallen world? Yes. Are there things that we can't control? 100%. Don't hear me preach another, another word. But do you have protection? Absolutely. According to Ephesians 6. And I just want to break down as I end here two things that go along with what the armor represents. So I want you to wake up tomorrow morning. I want you to imagine yourself in a Roman soldier. Get up, okay? You will take on that day. But the, the first thing is, is reading our Bible and actually getting it in our head and our hearts. You want more protection? You, you want to understand what it looks like? God, I, I hear that you've given me all power and authority. What does that mean? How do I access that? How do I, how do I live that out? Just read the word of God. Saturate your, your, your thought life. Saturate your heart with what God says. And then the second one is knowing God, knowing him. It would be weird if you had a best friend and you didn't know them, or if you married someone and you didn't know them and you didn't try to get to know them better. Like, we've been married almost eight years this summer and I, Paris still, I'm getting to know him in all kinds of different ways. I'm like, oh, you like that? I never knew that. But if I didn't seek to get to know him more, I wouldn't. 
and God's God. Like there's so much to know and understand and to hear. And that's all burst out of just seeking him and finding him. Jeremiah, seek me and you will find me. If you've been seeking the Lord, you'll find him. He's not hiding from you. He doesn't hide from his kids. Unless he's playing peekaboo with you. He's not hiding from you. Seek me and you will find me. Most of our struggles, most of the things that, that we battle with or the things that we think we battle with or the issues in our life can actually be extinguished by just reading the word of God and asking God to speak into that. And that's, that's something I have to practice in my life. God, what do you say about this situation? God, what do you say about this person? If I don't battle flesh and blood, then, then help me, Lord. Seek him and you will find him. And I know that there's a lot of, um, like, we'll seek a counselor, we'll seek a sozo, we'll seek a self-help book. Those things are really good. And, and, and I, I love suggesting those things to people just to further them along in their journey. But the moment we start to put those on a pedestal, we make it an idol. And God can't be replaced. God can't be, those are just extras. That's just like some sprinkles on top of the ice cream. God can't be replaced. He says, seek him and you'll find him. He's given you powerful, accessible armor to protect you, to protect your family. So I want to end with some declarations. If you will, just stand with me. I was going to pray, but I just feel declarations. So come on, I just, a declaration is just declaring truth. If you don't think it's truth, you don't have to participate. But I'm going to say something. You're just going to say it after me, Okay. Father, I thank you for the protection on my life. Go ahead, put your hand on your heart. Father, I thank you that only truth can penetrate my heart. Father, I thank you that you've given me authority and power. And put your hand on your head. God, I thank you for the helmet of salvation. We say, brain, you're really awesome. And you only believe awesome things that line up with the will of God. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. High five the person next to you. If you are wanting to do the prophetic art booths, Come get in line right over here on the ramp. They're going to be amazing. And then if you want prayer, our prayer team will be up right here at the edge of the stage. You can come and receive prayer as well. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.